This morning, if you have a copy of God's Word, look with us to the book of James, the book of James chapter 4. We begin reading with verse 13. By the way, I noticed in the first service, Bart Barber, who is our president, very funny man, uh, this summer uh, he made a comment about his cows, and a friend of mine posted on Twitter a joke, a pun. And so I responded to my friend, and then he responded back to me, and I responded. We had about 10 puns on cows, and Bart told us to stop it because we're messing up with his notification. But I realized he used every one of my lines. Did you hear me get credit? I think not. So, (laughs) But he's a very funny man uh, and a good leader. Book of James, chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. As we said, every January I I do a series on stewardship, and there's various reasons why I do this, if you're a guest or if you're new with us. That's because if you preach on stewardship any other time in the year, people get scared. They think, oh no, something's going on. The church is behind in in giving, or there's, uh, there's a project coming up, whatever it is. But if you do it in January, well, we're not behind on budget. We just started Uh, People are setting goals, resolutions. It's just a great time to talk about stewardship. I believe with all my heart, stewardship is really discipleship. Stewardship is managing what God has given to us. That's all it is. Everything you have comes from God. Everything. The question is, what are you doing with what God has given to you? Usually we think about money, but it's more than that. It's everything you have, you are accountable to God for. And so this Again, this year we're looking at stewardship, and today we're going to be looking at an aspect of stewardship most people really don't consider, and that is the stewardship of opportunities. Listen to what James writes in James chapter 4, verse 13. He says, come now, you who will say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him, it is a sin. Pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, today as we open your word, Father, as we look at this topic of stewardship of opportunities, show us, Father, all the opportunities you give to us daily, that, Father, we may take advantage of them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Academy Award winner Al Pacino has been in some famous movies. He's in his 80s today, and he still regrets one role he turned down. One role, he admits, he said, when I read the script, I didn't understand the script. He said, I read the script, I thought, no one is going to go to this movie. This makes no sense. And today, even in his 80s, he still regrets the role that he turned down. Al Pacino turned down the role of Han Solo in Star Wars. He missed an opportunity. Or John Travolta. John Travolta has had the highs and lows in the, business, in the movie business and television business. One time, right after he had a success in a movie called Pulp Fiction, he was offered a leading role in a movie. And he turned it down because he said, this is a silly movie. 
the American public will not go watch this movie. And John Travolta turned down the role of Forrest Gump. A missed opportunity. You don't have to be in Hollywood to have missed opportunities. For example, in 1876, the Western Union Telegraph Company was offered a, a, a chance to buy a patent for $100,000. Now, that's a lot of money in those days, but they were offered this patent, and they turned it down. They said this idea, this invention would never catch on. No one will ever use it. And besides, we have a telegraph. And so in 1876, Western Union turned down the patent from Alexander Graham Bell called the telephone. This is what they wrote in response. We have found the telephone voice very weak and indistinct. We feel that the device will never be capable of sending speech over a distance of several miles. Why would any person want to use this toy when he or she can send a messenger to the telegraph office and message that can be sent to any large city in the country? In other words, no one is going to use a telephone because you have the telegraph. They missed an opportunity. You see, opportunities come in many different ways. And if you're not prepared to take advantage of them, you will miss out. And we are accountable to God for the opportunities God gives to us. Every day, you will have opportunities. Every week, you'll have opportunities. Every year, you're going to have opportunities that God is going to put before you. And the question is, are you going to take advantage of those opportunities? Again, in stewardship, when we talk about money, we understand the accountability to money because it's facts. For example, with money, you know if you're a tither or not. It's pretty simple. It's on paper. I mean, you can look at your tax returns. You'll know if you're a tither. With money, it's easy to figure out, are you accountable to God because it's right there? And that, by the way, some people don't like that because it's right there. They can't argue with it. There's no way you can argue with the facts. Here's what God has given to you. What have you done with it? A lot of people don't like that. But opportunities are different. In fact, I find that opportunities may be the hardest one to judge because you don't know what opportunities may be there. You don't really understand when that opportunity will come. You don't know if it is an opportunity. So therefore, it's kind of hard to figure this one out, but it's very crucial. It's the hardest one to figure out, but it's crucial. So what do I mean when I say stewardship of opportunities? What I mean is you take advantage of the day. You take advantage of the moments God has given to you. God has given you Moments and time, what do you do with them? I mean, there are moments in life when really all we need to do is just pause and enjoy the world God has given to us. There are moments in life that we need to spend with people instead of rushing around doing our jobs. There are times that we need to be helping someone. Even though we may be busy, we need to take advantage of that moment to help someone. There's a Latin phrase, carpe diem, means seize the day. It became popular back in the 1980s in a movie called The Dead Poet Society with Robin Williams. The, the phrase comes from a Roman philosopher, Horace, who, who said, we need to seize the day, carpe diem. And literally what it means is pluck the day as if it is ripe. In other words, take advantage of the moments because you may not have those moments tomorrow. You put off something today, you may not have it tomorrow. Take advantage Take advantage of the day. Seize the day. That's what I'm talking about. 
We need to be good stewards of opportunities. So in this book, the book James is writing, James is the half-brother of Jesus. He writes this book, to a letter to a church, probably is a sermon, one of the most practical books in the Bible on how to live the Christian life. And in this section, he's talking about seizing the day, taking advantage of your opportunities. And in this passage, he tells us how to be good stewards of opportunities. So let's look at it this morning. First of all, don't let pride steal your opportunities. Don't let pride steal you of your opportunities. Look at verse 13. He says, come now, you who will say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. He said, you're going to be good steward of opportunities. You need to plan to be ready. You cannot be prideful in your planning. That's what he's saying. Now, again, he's not saying planning is wrong. The Bible tells us planning is not wrong. I mean, the book of Nehemiah, the whole book is Nehemiah planning. If you want to know how to be a good business person, look at the book of Nehemiah. He tells us how to have a business plan. David planned. David planned in battles. David planned in warfare. David planned in strategy. David planned for the temple after he died to be built. Jesus planned. I mean, he knew which towns he was going to. Remember, he said, we must go through Samaria. Why? He had a plan. He knew what he was going to do. He had a plan. He knew he was going to call the disciples. He had a plan. He told a parable about a man who was going to build a tower who planned before he built the tower. He told a parable about a man going to war who planned before he went to war. Paul planned. The book of Acts, we see how Paul is planning the cities he would go to. And there was a pattern to it. We talked about that when we looked at the book of Acts a few years ago. How Paul picked the major cities. If I can reach those cities, I could reach the countryside. The Bible says we are to plan. Book of Proverbs, chapter 20, verse 18 says, make plans by seeking advice. If you wage war, obtain guidance. Again, in Proverbs 22, verse 3, it says, a prudent man sees danger. In other words, he's planning and he takes refuge, but the simple keeps going and suffer for it. Some people look at this passage in James and think James is saying, don't plan. He's not criticizing planning. What he's doing is adding one thing to planning. One crucial thing. Now, look back at verse 13, this plan. This is a model plan for a business plan. Look what he says. First of all, he says the plan is constructed. He says today or tomorrow. In other words, there's flexibility in this plan. There's a time limit, but there's flexibility. That's always good in a plan. A place is chosen. He said we will go to such and such city. In other words, they knew exactly where they were going to. They took a map. And figure out what's the best place to go. Where is the best place to go? A definite place. The period is calculated. He said, we'll spend a year there. In other words, he didn't say, now we're going to relocate there. He said, no, we're going to spend about a year. We, We understand the calculation of how long we need to be there. The purpose is considered, he says, and engage in business. He said, we know why we're going. We're not going for a vacation. We're not going for sightseeing. We're going for a business plan. And we have a purpose for this plan. He even did the profit is computed. He says, and we'll make a profit. They're, concerning, they're considering their earnings, even before they earned anything. By the way, there's nothing wrong with that. If you're planning something, you need to see what you're going to get in return. You go goal setting, you have goals. And so the same thing. This is a great plan. This is a model plan. Except they left something out. 
Something is missing. The problem is not planning. The problem is planning with pride and not including God. That's what they left out. In verse 13, do you see God anywhere in there? No. They're doing their plan based on them. This is pride. Whenever we plan and we leave God out of the picture, that's called pride. Because God is sovereign. God has the right to change our plans. And we need to be aware of that. That's why James writes in verse 15, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. James is saying, look, it's okay to plan. You need a plan, but just keep in mind, God has the right to intervene. God has the right to change your plans. God has the right to even lead you to your plans. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and you don't either. I can have an educated guess about some things, but planning without God is prideful. If I start saying, oh, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to do, and I leave God out of it, that's wrong. I mean, how many people predicted COVID? I mean, how many people predicted the supply chain supply failure? I mean, how many people picked TCU? I know at least three of you did. So whenever we look ahead, the starting place in planning is to face the future and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? What's your plan? And God, you can interrupt me in my plans. It's okay. I'm going to plan. I'll move forward. But you can interrupt me. The Puritans, another generation, they would add two letters at the end of their letters or manuscripts. The letters DV, Dio Valente. It means as God wills. John Wesley, Charles Wesley. They will always put DV as God's will. This is the plan. This is what I want to do. This is the song. This is the sermon as God's will. They lived with the thought, the attitude that God, we're submitted to you. God can change our plans. Oswald Smith, fascinating man to me. He was born in 1899 in Canada. He came to Christ when he was seven years old. He went to a Christian college, went to a seminary, became pastor in 1916, the Dale Presbyterian Church in Toronto. Oswald felt that God was calling him to the ministry, or to the mission field. He had a passion to go to the mission field. Not only that, he knew what he thought where God wanted him to go. And so he went before the mission board. He prayed, Lord, I, I just want to be a missionary for you. Open the doors for service. I, may, I want to make a difference in the world for you. And the mission board said no. All his plans were gone. He began to think about what God was calling him to do. God was doing something in his life, and he realized, I need to adjust to my life. And he decided, if I cannot be a missionary, I will build a church to send out missionaries. And so he started the People Church in Toronto, Ontario from 1915 to 1959. The church raised $7 million for missions. Oswald by himself raised $7 million for missions. The church supported more mission. Thousands were called out of that church to the mission field. That church helped 350 missionaries from 35 different missionary societies in 40 countries. 75% of their budget went to missionaries. Oswald wrote 35 books 
and proceeds went to missions. He became an editor of a magazine, and proceeds went to missions. He had a radio program, 42 different stations around the world, and he talked about missions. He toured the world, 72 countries. He preached in 72 countries, telling people about missions. He did more for missions than probably any individual in Canada, probably in the North America during those days. Why? God interrupted his plans. God gave him a passion. Where he thought he was going this direction, God sent him that direction. He didn't let pride stop him. And he became a greater influence to God. Number two, don't let foolishness steal your opportunities. Don't let foolishness steal your opportunities. As James is talking about these business people, he says they were foolish because they didn't understand life. He says in verse 14, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. James says these people, they're foolish because they were looking at the future, but they didn't understand life. In fact, there's two areas of life they did not understand. First of all, they did not understand the uncertainty of life. Did you notice as we were going through this, the repetitive nature, we would do this, we would do this, we would do this, we would do this. They thought they had all the time in the world. They thought that nothing would go wrong. The problem is that life is uncertain. I mean, that's why the psalmist says that teach us to number our days that we will have gain a heart of wisdom. Or Solomon writes in Proverbs 27, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring forth. We do not know the future. We do not know what's going to happen from moment to moment. Therefore, we need to take advantage of all the opportunities God has given to us. We need to take advantage of those moments because we don't know the future. There is uncertainty of life. We don't know if we're going to have another opportunity to talk to that person. We don't know if we're going to have another opportunity to go to that meeting. We don't know if we're going to have another opportunity to share our faith. Life is unpredictable. I mean, my goodness, a war could start. The economy could, could tank. Your friends could turn on you. Another pandemic could come. We don't know. And we need to keep that in mind as we plan for the future. Now, please understand something. If you are a believer, that should not bother you. If you are a believer, the uncertainty of life should not bother you. Why? Because you know God's in charge. Life may turn upside down, but God is in charge and God is there. For the believer, knowing that life is uncertain, that life is unpredictable, should not bother us. But there's something else they didn't understand. They didn't understand the brevity of life. Did you notice what James said? You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. You know what he's talking about? Early in the morning, you see a mist over the grass. I've read about it. Some of y'all got that. But you watch the mist and see if you can decide when it goes away. It's there, and you're looking at it, you're watching it, And then you realize it's gone. James says that's our life. That's our lives. Very brief. All through the Bible it tells us our life here on earth is brief. It's a vanishing cloud. A cloud there, it rains, the cloud is gone. It's a wild flower, Psalm chapter 103. This flower in in the Middle East, it just lasted 24 hours and the, the, the wind from the desert would destroy it. James says, our life is a vapor. 
you don't know how short your life is. He said, because of this, don't let foolishness steal your opportunities. You have opportunities today, next week, next month, next year, possibly, that you need to take advantage of because you don't know how long you'll be here. Now, don't be foolish. Announcing your goals, and I'm a goal setter, announcing your goals can either be a statement of faith or it can be a statement of foolishness. You know what the difference is? Your motive. God says we're to have goals. God says we're to have plans. But all he says is check with me first. Plan your future. But you can only live now. I, I can't live in the future. Future does not exist. I can live for today. Plan for the future, but take advantage of the present. As one writer says, life is what happens to us while we're planning something else. Don't look back at your life and think, I had an opportunity and I missed it. Don't be foolish. Third, he said, don't let procrastination steal your opportunities. Don't let procrastination steal your opportunities. He says something in verse 17 that is kind of shocking. He said, therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is a sin. He's talking about procrastination. If you know what you need to do and you don't do it, he calls it a sin. Procrastination always costs. I can tell you that now. Every year, Americans waste hundreds of millions of dollars because they don't file their taxes on time. They did a study and found that Americans' workers have, have lost a lot of money because they did not sign for their matching 401k. Imagine at your house, you, a little problem you don't take care of becomes a major repair. A minor health issue becomes a major health issue because you don't take a physical. There are going to be people missing out in heaven because people procrastinated telling them about Jesus. There's always cause to procrastination. And that's what James is saying. There's a strong lesson here. If you know what you need to do for God and you do not do it, that is a sin. Now, we like to think of sin as, you know, lying or cheating or stealing, something like that. Those are sin of, of, of commission. We do something that equals sin. James says there's another type of sin. It's called sin of omission. If you know what you need to do and you don't do it, that's a sin. And that's the sin of a procrastination. We keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Christianity is more than avoiding evil, it's doing good. And the Bible says procrastination is a trap. And the solution to procrastination, do it now. Proverbs 3, 27, 28. Do not withhold good for those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later. I'll give it tomorrow if you have it with you now. Do it now. You see, the bottom line, there's only three things you can do with your life. Only three things. You can spend it, you can waste it, or you can invest it. That's it. You can waste your life. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can waste your life. Oh, you can spend your life. You can spend your life trying to get, achieve fortune or fame or popularity. Or you can invest your life. Use your life to invest in things that will last. That's what James is saying. Jim Elliott was a missionary who actually died <clears throat> for the faith. He wrote in his journal, He is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep or that which he cannot lose. Don't procrastinate. Satan loves procrastination. Satan loves to tell you to wait. 
He, he'll say, no, wait, don't, don't share your faith today, just, just wait. Don't, 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 don't minister today, just, just do it next week. Don't, don't help that person, just, just wait later. Don't, don't, don't start reading the Bible today, you got things to do, start next week. Don't, don't start giving, you, you got to save some money. Don't, don't do that. Don't join the church, you, you can join the church later. You, you need to go home, you got to go eat. Don't, don't give your life to Christ, don't do it now, just, just wait. Satan loves to wait. He loves to say tomorrow. God says today. Today is the day of salvation. Today you need to share your faith. Today today you need to be a steward. Today you need to minister to someone. Today you need to help someone. God uses the word today. Satan uses the word tomorrow. And there's a difference. Satan says, don't worry about it. God says, seize the day. We all have opportunities. Don't procrastinate. Do you know why it's so important to act? There's a lesson as we've been going through the Bible on Sunday nights that we see constantly. God acts many times after we act. You want to see the hand of God in your life? You act first. Look at the miracles of Jesus. He healed the blind man after he washed in the pool. He healed the man with a withered hand after he stretched it out. He healed the paralytic after his friends lowered him down. We see this pattern over and over. God wants us to act, then he will act. Moses, as he was bringing the people to the promised land, Moses asked God, well, God, how do I know you're leading me? How do, how do I know you're behind this? And God gives this incredible answer. He, God tells Moses, when you are standing at the mountain, after it is over, with the people, you know I sent you. What? I want to know now. God says, no, you just act. And one day you're going to return here. And then you'll know. But don't procrastinate. We miss opportunities because of procrastination. So what do you need to do today? First day of the new year, what do you need to do? Someone you need to forgive? Forgive them. Don't wait. Forgive them. You need to give your life to Christ? Don't wait. Do it today. Ask Jesus in your life. Say, Lord, I admit I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. I believe he died for me on that cross. who was raised on the third day. And I, I confess, I give him everything. I give you my life. Will you come into my heart? Join the church. I've been putting it off. I've been coming here a week, two weeks, two years, five years, 50 years. Never joined the church. Today's the day. What does God lay on your heart? Becoming a tither? Do it now. What is God telling you to do? Do it now. If you're watching online and you need to make a decision for Christ, if you would text the word today, 270-398-5005, and a minister will give you a call. For those of you here, in a few moments, we're going to be singing, I'll be ministered at the front. You can come to the front, talk to one of us about a decision, or after the church, I'll be at the Connection Center. You just come talk to us there, whatever, however you desire. But don't procrastinate. Make the decision today. Will you stand as we pray? Father in heaven, there are so many things we put off starting a quiet time 
being a good witness, forgiving, joining a church. Father, whatever decisions we need to make, let us not procrastinate. Father, let us be mindful of opportunities that we won't have. We don't know what tomorrow may bring. We do not know what next week will bring. Let us not live our life with regret. Let us not live our life looking backwards and say, I wish I took advantage of that moment. And so, Father, on this Sunday, this brand new year, let us make a decision that we will not live a life of regret. But we'll take advantage of every moment I have. Father, we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.